da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. If the whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Oscar nominations are here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yay. This is uh, one of my most anticipated episodes of the year. Not not the Oscar post-Oscar episode, which we do every year, like an Oscar post-game show. That's so. our first tradition, I think, was that, that show. <laughs> we record immediately after the Oscars, so... For those of you listeners that have come on in the last year, there will be a Mad About Movies Monday morning, right after the Oscars. It's basically up an hour after the Oscars. Yeah. Like, we'd, we just basically get on and do it and put it up immediately. So, maybe even that night, you can go to bed with our dulcet tones in your ears. <laughs> like many of you do. That's how I is. fall asleep every night, listening yeah. to us. I only listen to Coldplay when I go to sleep. That's it. <laughs> I'm anticipating this not Fix only... I, I like that conversation, but I like this one because we really get to talk about who got screwed over and things like that mm-hmm. and just the nomination process and things. Indeed. So that's a fun topic. Um, yes. Uh, we did release our own predictions, our own personal preference lists on our website, on our blog portion of our website. If you'd like to see those, we might reference them occasionally throughout mm-hmm. uh, this conversation. So you can follow along. So I think we should start at some of the smaller awards and then work our way up to of course best picture let's do it so first comes original screenplay and the nominees were bridge of spies ex machina inside out spotlight and straight out of compton uh any surprises here or anybody get left out of note tarantino yeah i mean that's that's one of my big one of the big complaints of this nomination but i think look here's my here's my rule of thumb with with award show stuff um a doesn't mean anything but it does to us you know because we it's a celebration of movies and i think that you should celebrate the right movies i guess for me my my general rule of thumb is for me to get up in arms or or overly excited about a quote-unquote snub i have to be able to say this person got left out, and he or she sh- should replace this person. That's my that's the thing. Because there's a lot of times, like best supporting actor, we talk about it every year, is always the the toughest category. There's 20 or 25 people that could fit into that spot each year, and you got to whittle it down to five. So it's really hard to get too upset about somebody missing in that category. But you know, some of these, I feel like we could absolutely make the case that. Quentin Tarantino should be in over at least a nominee. I mean, yes, to, to yes. Say you, he does. He was. Yeah, not you guys win. both had him winning. The, yeah, yeah so that would have been be my like vote. Yeah. for me. Come on, spotlight. Nice. nice. Um, like I don't. I honestly don't care in a lot of ways who wins ninety percent of these awards because it, to me, it's it's more about who gets nominated. That's and, who I would have voted for would have been Quentin. But. Yeah, same here. Same here. Um, I think you could very easily pull Bridge of Spies out of this category and replace it with Quentin Tarantino. I think that's I think that qualifies as a as a snub. I said on our, our Hateful Eight podcast a couple weeks ago, I thought that this was Tarantino's best script. And when Quentin Tarantino writes his best script, that should be up for awards. Oh, it's a huge I mean, we'll we'll talk about this more. I mean, he got a huge oversight. It was the Hateful Eight in general this year, it seems. And um Definitely this category. I would say Quentin probably cares about this category more than any of them. You don't mm-hmm. give him Best Director. He's going to be like, oh, okay. Not Best Picture. Like, oh, it's not for everybody. But Best Screenplay, like, that's his, like... Right. He he has said on multiple occasions in the press tour for Hateful Eight that he wants to go for the record of most Oscars for original screenplay. I think he's tied with Woody Allen right now mm-hmm. uh, as far as that goes. So he, he really deeply cares about it. And um, that is an oversight um, in this category for sure. Was mm-hmm. was Quentin? Yeah. So I guess we go to adapted screenplay, and it was Room, Carol, Brooklyn, Big Short, and The Martian. What's missing there? On my list, uh, I had Black Mass, and Steve Jobs. So Sorkin for sure missing. Yeah. For the adapted category, Richard, I believe you have some words about this. I know. Yeah, you're... it is weird. Um, that's uh. That's a weird omission because the strength of that film is 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 the screenplay. 
I don't know. That was that was such a bizarre omission. I don't I don't get it. I really yeah. don't get it. Um, I had the Big Short getting nominated, which I, I thought was a pretty well, and we'll talk about that uh, shortly. But uh, pretty good screenplay. But yeah, the the Sorkin thing. I mean, I guess it's just that movie just that movie really disappeared, and I I guess it's just the the malaise of of too many Steve Jobs films. That's too bad because it's a really uniquely written and and great film, and mm-hmm. it's super Sorkin-y. And maybe they've just tired on Sorkin. I just yeah, I just I don't know. Yeah. The Hateful Eight, I will admit, The Hateful Eight and, and uh, Steve Jobs, the two I picked on these categories, definitely the most showy screenplays of them all. Sure. Um, maybe they just, yeah, just one third thing this year, maybe. So yeah. we'll have to see. And Spotlight, while it's very solid screenplays, the opposite of showy. It's kind of, sure. we, you know, go back to that episode if you would like our full thoughts, but we right. touch on that in depth yeah. there. But it, it does belong. I mean, Steve Jobs belongs there. And I I haven't seen Carol, so I can't speak to that one. But I did see Brooklyn, and I thought it was a very fine, pleasant film. And I'm good with most of their its nominations. But that's one where it, it could have – I think you could easily cut that one out and, and supplant it with with Steve Jobs, which I, I agree with you, Ken. I thought it was a great script, and it was my pick for, for – would have been would have gotten my vote. And interesting that Ex Machina did get – nominated for original screenplay which i yeah. had hoped for i didn't think it would actually happen and straight sure. out of compton as well mm-hmm. um, yeah those were encouraging inclusion that was an like, encouraging i'm inclusion. cool with both of those that's awesome i think a martian might have a shot at adapted that's what i'm pulling for now yeah. that steve jobs is out i think that's a great script and we talked about it when we did our episode and and i would have been I, like i said on like we put on our our blog i would have i would have voted for for Steve Jobs there because I thought that was just a, a lively, great script and such a cool way to approach a biopic. Um, but The Martian is a, is also a great script. That's what I'll be rooting for. Visual effects, a particularly stacked year, uh, considering the nominees were Ex Machina, Mad Max, Star Wars, The Revenant, and The Martian. You know, this is a year with the Avengers and Furious Seven and Ant Man mm-hmm. and very effects heavy year, I would say. As far sure. as blockbusters went, and um, but I can't think of any five better than those. So, yeah, I'm good it. with that. Yeah, no, no, no problems there. I, no I would think it would go to Mad Max, but mm-hmm. the Star Wars love might come out in that category. Sure, we'll have to see. Practical effects, one or the other. Their Star Wars is also up for sound mixing, uh, as well as Bridge of Spies and Mad Max, and um, so that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Sound editing, I don't need to go over those. I don't think short films, short film, animated short films, uh, we can go over those when they actually win. Mm-hmm. Production design, uh, Ex Machina was left out of this. And yeah, uh, I would have for sure put that at least as a nominee. Um, I would have left out the Danish girl probably and put in Ex Machina. Didn't really notice the production design much in the Danish girl, but maybe that means it's great production design. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of those. Yeah. Uh, also, Mad Max, Bridge of Spies, The Martian, and The Revenant. So, The Martian and The Revenant seem to be in almost every category. As <laughs> yeah, oh, and Mad Max is um, right there with for them. these technical categories to be. Expected. It's weird how the momentum of Mar- when I saw The Martian, I thought it was <clears throat> thought it was great, and I certainly thought it would get nominated for a few things. But it's now the kind of co-leader around that last back end. I really didn't see that coming when I saw that film. Not that it's not worthy of it. Um, it was in the theaters for. A it was a good long while. It was, it and I'm I'm well. thrilled that it's being recognized. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It just when that first came out, I first I said, "Wow, that was great. That's totally made for Richard Kent and Brian." Mm-hmm. I hope that gets one or two Oscar nominations or three. And it's like, oh, cool, it got ten nominations. Like I did not see that coming. Yeah, uh, two months ago. So we expect either Ennio Morricone or John Williams to win the original score category. Mm-hmm. They're both up for best original score for Hateful Eight and Star Wars. So how does that work, Kent? Because there will be blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the score couldn't be used because it it was used old recordings, right? It wasn't totally original. Right. But Force oh. Awakens, the score has, you know, original Star Wars music in it. How does I think how it's does John that... Williams wrote all that. I mean. Right. So did the, the, the problem with the will be blood score um, was that. It, it's all it was, original recordings. I think that's the deal. They re-recorded all the old Star Wars music. 
for yes. the Force Awakens. Is that what you're referring to? No, it's it. it the was fact that, that it was a previous recording. Yeah, some of it occurred on a right. previous uh, Johnny Greenwood recording, like ten years earlier. Yeah, and they 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 discounted it. It could no longer be. I just don't understand the the. the yeah, I, I'm with I'm with you. Like I thought, I thought Star that was Wars... more about best original song than it was about original score. No, because that it wasn't eligible, and it's happened recently too. And I I wish I could remember the movie. It happened last year or the year before. Inside great... Lewin Davis had that problem, but it was okay. about it wasn't about the original that was the score. Song. It was about yeah, best original no. song couldn't get nominated. No, but Richard's a... right. Like when There Will Be Blood came out, it was it got thrown out kind of at the last minute. Like it was a surprise that it got it tossed pre- out the rule. because it, it was. was previously recorded stuff yeah pre-existing material which is not allowed but which is i mean i'm not like whining well, it, it, i guess it's allowed because the hateful eight soundtrack was stuff Ennio morricone didn't yeah see uh, i don't get yeah, why I don't David johnny Hughes. greenwood it's because like it's although although widely admired and thought of as a contender for the academy award for original motion music score uh at the 2008 academy awards it was ruled ineligible due to its use of pre-existing material that just seems the score yeah, features elements of Greenwood's compositions, just elements, not even full songs, elements right. of his compositions, Popcorn, Superhead, Receiver, and Body Song. Yeah. And I don't understand how that's any different Maybe he than... he used Radiohead sampling or something, like a couple of riffs or something here, you know, that had been in the public domain that right. I don't I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, don't know. Artists, I don't know either. That but... weren't associated with There Will Be Blood in the first place. Like, Star Wars was all for Star Wars in the first place, so maybe that's where sure. it gets away with that. Yeah, not, maybe. It's not like I'm you're just taking curious. it out of... Out of the context, does that make sense? I don't no, know. I, I tell you, I thought that Star Wars wouldn't be eligible. I was when yeah. b- before we looked at this list, I was like, I'm sure Star Wars didn't, even though that was an incredible score because yeah. it's been used before. If this is allowed because it's the same universe or franchise, then um, Creed should be in there because that had the best <laughs> score cues i think i've ever seen in a movie so i'm a little disappointed i figured that that would not be eligible just based on the best original soundtrack was the category it would be definitely be in there gosh Creed. yeah yeah well, that should be a category yeah best best soundtrack yeah space obviously would be in the hall of fame space jam would be <laughs> all-time best uh because that had i believe i could fly and basketball jones we yeah. need to do a space jam <laughs> episode someday because you know what's not a good movie space jam <laughs> yeah, I know. But we already did it on our Mad About Quad City DJs pod. Yeah. So you want to cross it over? Yeah. We could. We should. And we will. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited. All right. Documentary? You haven't looked at this category yet. It it's, is always. It's always ones you don't know about. Yes. But there is yeah. Amy, the Amy Winehouse documentary, which was That's nominated. Cool. So that is. That is nice. This was an awesome year for documentaries, and Cartel Land was really good. Mm-hmm. And I've not seen the other three, so I've seen Amy. Did you guys a, see that? Yes. One of them's a Netflixer, the uh, okay. Winter on Fire. All right. Yeah. So, best director. Um, this could be some. Uh, this could cause so, some so some arguments um, amongst, I guess, the Hollywood folk. Uh, it mm-hmm. went to George Miller for Mad Max. Lenny Abrahamson for Room, uh, Tom McCarthy Spotlight, The Revenant, uh, Inuritu, and Adam Josh McCabe Trank for The Big Short. <laughs> Josh, Josh, Trank. Joshua Trank for yeah. He uses Joshua for when it comes to awards. Yeah, Joshua oh, Trank. Right. Yeah, Mister Joshua Trank. Joshua Benjamin Frank. It's weird. Zack Snyder's <laughs> nominated for. Well, that's weird. He's already nominated for Batman vs Superman. <laughs> it hasn't even come out yet. It's, they were just really just excited. Went ahead and jumped in. The trailer oh, it does say it does say in parentheses trailer yeah Batman v <laughs> Superman trailer so actually that trailer got nominated for best picture what is going on justifiably <laughs> all right Jack is he Jack Batman and Superman so movie? who got screwed over for best director I think Ridley Scott yeah. probably has yeah. a, an axe to grind here Spielberg um, I you know you were higher on on Bridge of Spies than I, the I direction was, was great Richard. I thought it was one of his you know top. 15 directorial efforts which is saying something because he's the best you know I would, so i would also say uh ryan coogler and yes. also uh, f gary gray yeah have been nominated. totally yeah um coogler coogler should have got a spot i think and or, well but that wasn't going to happen i think we all knew creed was not going to be in it for all of these extra awards like it had an outside shot at a best picture nomination and and stallone we'll talk about in a second but I don't think it had a legitimate chance of getting 
director or I would best have, I would have thought it would have had a better chance at director than best picture. Wow, but there's only five versus ten. I think, or potentially ten. I think that's the difference. There, I think The Revenant and Mad Max and Big Short and Spotlight were pretty well wrapped up by the by the last couple of weeks. By the end of Oscar voting, I think we, I think there was at least three, maybe four spots that were that were taken. Um, yeah, you know, I would personally take out uh, George Miller and put Ridley Scott in, but I I'm fine with it being there it's just my personal preference i think mark i think ridley scott could slide in in place of uh lenny abrahamson too not that that wasn't an excellent movie but i think that movie's a little more about performances than it was the direction for me cinematography the revenant of course the hateful eight did get nominated sicario mad max and carol how was the cinematography of carol i haven't seen it yet it doesn't fit with the other four. It doesn't though, fit does with it? Uh, Mad Max Fury Road, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, or Sicario. It's going to be an interesting one any, to, to see yeah. who takes it. If it's the Hateful Eight or the Revenant or Mad Max or even Sicario. And that's going to be one to, to yeah. watch, that category. I kind of think, Lubezki guys. Make, could Lubezki get it three years in a row? Yeah, I kind of think we're setting up for the Revenant winning like 37 awards. <laughs> Maybe. It just seems like that's the direction that we're headed. Okay, animated movie sean the sheep the movie uh inside out when marnie was there boy and the world that's not boy meets Wo- boy in the world okay and and amalisa should be boy meets world that'd be awesome the, just an just animated, animated boy, meets world. boy meets world and just best picture i'm in yeah i'm in okay <laughs> just I, that might have been the way to bring it back instead of uh girl meets world because then you could still have like young Corey, right yeah, just voiced by Ben Savage. Yeah, right. Okay, we move on to some bigger awards now. To best supporting actress, uh, Rooney Mara, Carol, Rachel McAdams, Spotlight, Kate Winslet, Steve Jobs, Jennifer Jason Lee, The Hateful Eight, and Alicia Vikander, The Danish Girl. So she was nominated for The Danish Girl and not Ex Machina. Yeah, that one kind of played according to form, I think, is what we The Danish Girl well is the most Oscar-y movie of all time. Oh, my like, gosh, yes. It literally might yes. be. Ugh, it's, the most, it's almost it like one, it's one of those yeah. that would have shown before Tropic Thunder, you know, like as a bit. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I would have liked to have seen Vikander get the nod for, for Ex Machina instead. But, I would have, you know. too. I think Kate Winslet has this one fairly well wrapped up anyway. I think so, too. Um, McAdams could sneak up in there. I'm I'm rooting for her. She's my girl. I actually had her winning. Yeah, I know. Richard Richard has some, at first glance, when I saw your list, I was like, you you went out on a couple limbs, but now that I see the actual nominations, like, yeah, they really could. You know what would help me this year, and it was pure luck, but, like, I got the exact number of, best picture nominees and i only missed one out of the eight that i picked but it was just i didn't read anything leading up i just went in totally just like based off seeing the movies and uh i was able to get more into the thought of an academy voter than like trying to think what (laughs) trying to read what i think academy voter you know what i mean normally i read up on all this stuff and i'm super prepped and you guys just sent me that email like hey send these over and i just didn't have time to look anything up and just went off the top of my head. And I ended up being, I think, better than I normally am. I think I got too caught up in what I wanted to get nominated, especially for Best Picture or what I would have picked wow. than what I th- That's what, what I, I did. I straight up did just my – this would be my ballot, not yeah. what I predict. Yeah. I got yeah. way too caught up in that. To the problem with all this, compare. Richard, is that uh, now you are officially an old white man. So you, you're you basically too in much the academy. Like them. I did. Yeah. I literally spent three hours at work today planning a huge golf outing for a bunch of my customers. <laughs> so that ship has sailed, my friend. Nice. Yes. So Jennifer Jason Lee nominated um, uh-huh. the only performance nominated in the Hateful Eight. Funny. Interesting. And, and very interesting. I think those guys kind of canceled each other out. Because yeah. I, I know I had trouble – deciding even in my own ballot between Samuel L. Jackson and Kurt Russell and uh, and Walt Goggins. And even Tim Roth was super good in that movie. We just didn't really talk about it on our episode because he's only in it for about 10 minutes, it seems like. But he was great. And, so, and it kind of comments on the, the lack of supporting actresses this year. That sure. and the fact that Vikander was up for two roles because, uh-huh. like, Vikander for this or her for that, you know. Yeah. And because uh, they just... They didn't have enough, uh, I mm-hmm. guess, strong, and at least in a supporting sense, 
Right. Um, I think that's kind of always the case, though. It's the exact opposite of the best supporting actor category right. for, you know, because Hollywood is um, the worst. But uh, right. there's just there's always, you know, you're talking about six or eight people competing for five spots, whereas best supporting actor in a good year like this. I know on my list I had like 17 people that I really was like, how can I figure out how to put all these people on the ballot? You know, leading actress. Charlotte Rampling, who I put money on <laughs> for her movie, 45 years. And you're a millionaire now. So I, that's yeah. cool. I've won yeah. the Powerball, basically. The odds <laughs> were <laughs> about the same. So hmm. Kate Blanchett as well. Brie Larson, J-Lo, J-Law, and J-Lo. <laughs> J-Lo as well. J-Lo for actually nominated for Jim, her Jenny on the Block video, which was... <laughs> That just got to the time. Oscar voters. Just got to them. They're really into it. They're really into the whole Latin pop movement. Right. By the way, she she is still Jenny from the block, in case you didn't. Hey, I temporarily was fooled by the rocks that she got. Yeah. But turns out Ken, she is still Jenny. She's still Jenny from the block. She used to have a little, but now she has a lot. Just so you know, heads up. Okay. But she's still Jenny from the block. <laughs> and the last nominee is uh Brooklyn Ronan. For Searsha. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have no clue how to say that, her name. I'm... But I thought Brooklyn was the best biopic of one of David Beckham's children to come out this year. <laughs> don't you think? I believe so. Brie Larson's kind of a lock for this one, I feel like. I don't I don't know that it's going anywhere else. Charlotte Rampling. Yeah, you know. Jay, I saw Jay, the preview for that, and I wanted to die. I'm not <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence is nominated, so you have to count her in, and Kate Blanchett. Like, you yeah, have to. You have to. But the Oscars aren't as swayed by celebrity as the other yeah. awards. I think people will be affected. Be South- Ronan. It could be. She's excellent. She's she's the best part of that movie yep. by a, a mile. She's she's outstanding. Kit, I'm disappointed. I think you are too. I I, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I really wanted to see some Daisy Ridley in this category. I think it would have been Felicia Rashad that too. Really shooken it up. Yeah, Felicia Rashad. Yeah, there we go. That man. How did I miss that? That should have been best supporting actress right there. I feel bad <laughs> for leaving her off my ballot now. Dang. Yeah, Daisy tough Ridley. Year, tough been, year for her. Yeah. That would have been awesome. I'm even on board for that as the least excited Star Wars person. But I love that movie so much, and I love her. So we go to a supporting actor now. Tom Hardy was nominated for The Revenant. She's got a lot of praise for that role, and I understand, like I said, very method. Bitch, are you quite excited for it? <laughs> Richard nailed this category, five for five. Yeah. Are you really? Yeah, he got it right. Bale, Ruffalo. Mark Rylance and Sly Stallone, American Maybe. Treasure, Sly Maybe. Stallone, I should say. Please win, Sly. Please. That would be awesome. This is a stacked category. It's always stacked. I would vote for always Mark crazy. Rylance. Yeah, that's a great. I mean, he's he's incredible in that film. But we got to have Stallone. We got to get it. Come on, we got to rock. Come on. That's an interesting. Christian right. Bale. This podcast rides with Sly. We've made that clear. That's right. As we move on to Best Actor. Uh, Brian Cranston for Trumbo. Kill me. Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. <laughs> that was five for five on this, too, wasn't I? Yep. Fastbender, Damon, and DiCaprio. So I would think it'd be DiCaprio or Damon with a slight chance of Fastbender. It's a nice weather prediction there. Yeah, I like that. Brian Cranston should give up his spot. Like he should not be able to come <laughs> to the award show. It's not about him. And there, I love this category this year was unbelievably stacked too. It all. Best yes. Actor. And and he, ab- he absolutely. He was the best actor in a TV movie though. <laughs> yes. He's, he's taking some, and it's not, it's nothing against him. I love Brian Cranston. Love him. That movie is garbage it's just such a lifetime movie i i still can't believe it's very sanctimonious and, and super you and know preachy to hollywood so i i see why but gosh it at least needed to be a b movie to be able to to get a freaking oscar nomination that's a, that's an embarrassment when you have people like steve carell and will smith and samuel L. jackson and michael b jordan sitting on the outside and johnny depp gosh johnny depp like come on this is I, I'm embarrassed by that inclusion. 
Yeah, it's confusing. Let's get him one step closer to his EGOT, though. It's one. Of the, it's a very Oscar-y. You know, it's about. You know, it's about Hollywood. The movie. Yes. You know, it's just a, the most. But it's not good. Like voting, <laughs> putting him you on the ballot. You have to look it in the eyes of the voter. I know, but but look, I can. I think you should be. The voters should be able to determine. Okay, like the message of Trumbo, great, fine, totally on board. The actual finished product is garbage, and you have to be able to look at that in a year like this that had so many good performances and say, I think voting for Brian Cranston is like, that's like voting for Anthony Davis for MVP this year. Like, great, he's an incredibly talented player, but his team is terrible, and so you can't have an MVP be from the third worst team in the NBA, you know? <laughs> like, it's just, I can't have, I cannot have Eddie one of these Redman five spots. Best actor last year. I know, but Theory of Everything was a good it was, movie. It was it just, a fine it wasn't, movie. Wasn't it was the, very lifetimey. Wasn't as good as uh, as Keaton or, but whatever, fine, I, whatever. But Cranston being included, that really is, that's voting for a, that's voting for a last play. The best, let's Alex Rodriguez, the year he won MVP of the American League. Like, terrible team. They won 70 games, but great stats. Who cares? It's just, I don't know. That, that one got me hotter under the collar than I think any other of these choices. Uh, yeah. So we have you on record. Brian Cranston is A Rod and Anthony Davis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mixed together. That's a kind yeah. of original. But minus uh, the steroids. <laughs> <laughs> or you don't know. Or I mean, it's legal for actors to take it. HGH. Yeah, it so, could be riding out hard. I hope he is. I'm thinking about going on a cycle, guys. Do you think it'll yeah. make me better at podcasting? I think uh, so. Yeah, sure. If I was Do just it. super yoked. Yeah. As long as you podcast while you get yoked. Yeah. Like but Simultaneous. Only Zack Snyder films? Yes. Yeah, we'll be able to tell how roided out you are by the more you like Batman v Superman. Like, in March, you're just like, it's fine. It's like a B-, minus, whatever. Yeah. Hey guys, and then that, in June, you're just like, this movie's freaking awesome. I just love it so much. I rewatched Entourage, by the way. Not bad. <laughs> Great. Really pretty good. Great like, adaptation. Like the, the, it's about the second time you watch it. The first time, sure, you get caught up in the hoopla, but the second time you watch Entourage, you get all the jokes. That's when it's great. Speaking of Oscar snubs, um, we move on to Best Picture and Entourage. Notable snub. I mean, could have could have snuck up in there. If you're going to nominate ten, I mean, it's one of the top ten. Yeah, if not top eight. So th- this is always controversial. Um, there's no easy way to put it every year. They just kind of pick what they want. They don't really tell you the number of movies that get chosen. Some years it's 10. Some years it's as little as five. Yeah. This year it's eight. Um, but what are our general thoughts on, on the nominees? Uh, what got snubbed in your opinion first, Brian? Uh, Inside Out, number yeah. one. That's still I, – I haven't – completely finalized my end of the year list and I still that could turn out as my number one movie of the year. I think it is just such an incredible film and I don't care that it's animated. It's it's so relevant and authentic emotionally and it does it in such a genuine way. I, I just I'm still I've watched that a couple of times because my, my son likes to watch it and it's still it still gets me. It's really stinking good. So I think that deserved a spot. I know that deserved a spot. Um, I think Creed deserved a spot in the in the Best Picture race. Pick I one. knew there was no way it was going to win, but I think it deserved to be there. And I think Star Wars deserves to be there. And I, you know, I, I was resigned to that's probably unlikely going in because uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is kind of the same way. That's a really, but I think it's hard to make. I think it's really hard to make a a great blockbuster film that reaches a mass audience and gets people excited and scores so highly with critics. Like that's a that's such a difficult task to pull off. And at the end of the year, this is supposed to be a celebration of of movies and you're excluding the biggest what may very well end up being the biggest movie of all time uh and it was really good. It's not like like if Avatar would have gotten excluded, then you're just like, well, it, whatever. It it's not like that's weirdly movie. weird. I know people were it almost I mean, won. People were upset yeah. it didn't win. Yeah, which is it, weird. People bought into the. I, I I am of that same. I did the same thing. Like I bought into the hype so hard just because it was such a 
completely different experience than I'd ever had in a movie theater. And then a few months later, it's just like, this isn't a very good movie. And this script is terrible. And did they seriously just call that unobtainium? And um, it's kind of like major back deserving backlash after the fact, but this is different. Star Wars is different. And I, how many shots of Star Wars are going to be in like all the montages and the jokes and things like that, that they do through, it's going to be constant. So I don't know. I, I didn't expect Star it Wars did to get, win. In, in there in the I know it's a big you know it's a big letdown. It didn't get best picture, but it well, it did get some recognition. Sure, other... it did. It got some, but that's what we always do. And I think you yeah. know the Martian probably. But heard when it. you don't, if you don't give it the big prize, you have to at least. I mean, that's their way of saying okay, we wanted to, yeah. we wanted to sh- say we really enjoyed this movie and. I mean, there are a lot of movies that don't even get nominated. I, I yeah, mean, I think I know. Guardians it's might tough. have gotten one nomination. Yes, it's tough, but I thought That's Guardians tough. deserved a spot on that list last year. And and at some point, the Oscars are kind of stuck right now, where they they're they're kind of stuck between we want to we've had this long history of nominating and and appreciating films that that Middle America has never seen, and now they're trying to reach out a little bit more to the mass audiences to where it doesn't seem like just the most elitist award show of all time, you know, but, but we're not doing it quite correctly. I think when most people look back on 2015, when they think of the movies, they're going to think of star Wars. And if that, the movie that people are going to remember and think about so highly is also a really good movie, like 94% on rotten tomatoes, which I think it still is sitting at right now that deserves a, a, a place in, in the, the conversation. I think there was probably room for one of those this year, yes. Brian, and it was went to Mad Max. Yes, Mad Max and The Martian boxed yeah. out yeah. Uh, Creed and Inside Out and Star Wars. The most yeah. bit, Star Wars being the 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 biggest of that because Inside Out you could have found a spot for it. I think the bigger problem is this: sometimes it's five and sometimes it's eight and sometimes yeah. it's ten, sort of thing. Either go back to five or make it ten. I, I'm fine with ten across the board. Like, make it ten actors. Make it ten. I don't care. It's This is supposed to be about recognizing achievement in film. So I, make it about the nomination, not who wins. Make the win, like, a, a, a nice cherry on top. You know what I mean? Just But this whole bit of maybe we'll just see how many people get, vote for all these. I just That's garbage. Just tell me how many are – it's five or is it ten? Because this, this middle ground is stupid. Yeah, I think it's one of those if only the movies that get above a certain percentage of votes right. get it's like nominated. the Heisman. It's like yeah, yeah it's I exactly was, like the Heisman. I was pretty off with the best picture. With my, I, I didn't mean, think like, Brooklyn would get a nomination. I didn't. I didn't best either, picture. I, That's I the shocker. Think I think it, to be honest, you know how when you like you play the lottery with the Powerball and you're just like one off on every number, like in the Powerball <laughs> thing right now. That's how I feel right now because I had Terminator Genesis, Pixels, Focus, Chaffee, San Andreas, Entourage, Tomorrowland, and Jupiter Ascending as my eight. And I I mean I I mean I right. I was just a little bit off. Like you, you know, know, I mean it was between the Martian and Jupiter Ascending, I think, for that. Exactly. Well yeah, so, because they yeah. both deal with space. You just right? pick yeah, you pick the wrong comp between each movie. Exactly. For, for all of them. Yeah. I and got then, you. Sure, and Star Wars beat you know Terminator two classic franchises, um, you know <laughs> Pixels. I think that's just the Academy has a long standing beef with Adam Sandler, and I, I mean just like Punch Drunk Love, both should have been nominated. I can't exactly the same. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, the same. So the the Revenant is peaking, and it, yeah, um, yeah, it might that's... end up taking taking it all home. But now that we're here, now that we're at the end of the road, so mm-hmm. to speak, uh, Mad Max. Made it, guys. It it made it survived <laughs> the year, and it it made the best picture nominee. How do you f- you feel about uh, the fact that it's probably doesn't stand a chance at winning? I don't think, but it's incredible that it. You know, yeah. the yeah. talk comes out when that that came out, like uh, you know, definite best picture of the year. Like you, you're like really Matt Max, and then you see it, and you're like, <laughs> okay, I kind of, you know, it could like it can't hold, can it hold on? And it did, and it's. It's amazing. I, I wouldn't have – I mean, we are talking about a category that nominated District 9. Uh, so, you know, sure. I mean, the bar is not that high, but I didn't think it would have and not Chappie, been nominated just... for <laughs> – I, I mean, I thought the Golden Globes for sure, you know, would have done their thing with it. But I didn't know if the Academy would recognize Jury sure. Road as much as they did, and that's a bit surprising. Yeah. I totally agree. I don't, I don't get it, but – 
you know, cool I, I respect what it, the practical effects and the effort that all that sort of thing. And it looks cool and everything. It's just an aesthetic that I don't particularly care for. And I just, I mean, I kind of feel like maybe we should go back and retroactively give some Oscar buzz to like fast five and fast. Six. Like I, I don't see <laughs> besides the, amen the camera. Wash, about the God's like, ears. I don't know. I just don't see that there's that. I just don't see the the massive difference. But you know, I'm. I have, uh, like I said on on our Twitter feed today, like I tweeted something about. I thought this was terrible nominations and whatnot, and immediately people started jumping on me about just because Mad Max is there. I'm like, I didn't say anything about Mad Max, and that's the one hundredth thing on my list. You know, like I don't. That's fine. That's fine. It's the Mad Max fans are like. Clemson football fans <laughs> where they're like, yeah, it's just because no one respects us. Like, you guys have been number one all year. Right. You're in the national title game. Like, people respect you. I just, not I'm not a Clemson anything fan. anything about that your movie. Seem- I just don't like it. That's fine. It's fine. Like, just leave me alone. Yeah, Do you I'm like Battleship? Like, uh, no? Well, F you. Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. just, jeez, take a chill pill. But you do that like Battleship. That was I do like Battleship, yeah. I don't fantastic. think it's better than than Mad Max. I just it's it, that's a movie that is fun to me. And I, yes, I totally understand that it's a terrible film, but it's enjoyable to me. So, it's fun and great. Okay, like if you don't like Battleship though, I'm I'm going to fight you over Twitter. I you know, it's just like I thought you actively disliked Mad Max. I didn't know you liked you I gave it a, like a B plus. I just don't understand the hype. Like I think it's a fine film and people who are like, "Man, I really enjoyed that movie." I totally get it. I just I don't get it, number one. And number two, like, I really don't see the difference. I don't understand the hype, I guess. I don't see the difference between that and Fast 6. Like, it's more than it hype now does, at this point, I would Oh, say. it's totally. And that kind of makes me dislike it more, if I'm being honest. Just hype because, it, like, Mad Max cost Star Wars a shot. You know, I, it's it's totally I'm, – I'm getting petty about it. But as far as just the the – my experience with the film and all that, I just Richard and I are in the same boat. Like it's not a film for me. It's not my cup of tea, but it's it's fine. I just I'm having a hard time understanding the hype. For years I've been wanting award circuit stuff to appreciate mainstream films more. And now we have it and I'm like, no, but that's the wrong mainstream film. I don't get it. I just don't I just don't get it. So I'm sure that Twitter will yell at me tomorrow when this episode posts, and that's that's fine. Whatever, Twitter. Well, any other thoughts on these nominations that we didn't get out? Uh, no, I think we I think we covered it pretty well. And like you guys said, we will be doing our our annual recap dr- immediately following the Oscars. And I think and I haven't talked to you guys about this, but uh, I think I think we're going to do some kind of a. A contest with our listeners too, like predicting the Oscars. We can do Twitter polls or something, yeah, like that. I think we can have we can have some uh, some fun and, and hand out some prizes and stuff like that. I think we'll sign get... copies of Now You See Me, which is yes. our. I've got trademark. two of them sitting on my <laughs> on my desk right now. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you: Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Let's talk one of the Best Picture nominees, foes in The Big Short. So this is definitely a Brian and Richard movie. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my jam. I think you know this is a story that I don't like spotlight uh, needed to be told, and yeah. I'm appreciative of this movie because you know a lot of these things you know go unnoticed or you know undiscussed, and uh, you know movies like this, whether they get recognized by the Academy is one thing, but I think they exist more 
to uh, start a conversation. And sure. this one definitely does that. Um, first off, for me, what this movie does is shows me that Adam McKay, uh, we should take serious now, randomly, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. as a as a great um, potential director. He did get nominated mm-hmm. for Best Director and Best Picture. Uh, this is a not an easy movie to make about financial crises and uh, the housing market and the housing collapse and things. It's not it's not a subject that's easy easily relatable or translatable to film, I wouldn't yeah. think. Um, so you do all you can with this, and they did some interesting, fun things uh, to sort of explain things for the people that don't study these things for a living, which is a lot of us. And uh, I was impressed with this. Um, great, mm. great performances and and uh, in great direction, mainly. But uh, like I said, I'm, I'm glad I saw this, and you know, it's something I probably wouldn't have known about or at least um, researched until the foreseeable future, you know? Sure. Um, so I'm going to be a whole lot more wary about things like, uh, like this from now on. But like I said, I'm more interested to hear your thoughts because this is a, this is a Barden special. If I've ever seen one. <laughs> yes. I like this movie a lot. Uh, surprisingly, I'm sure. Um, to all of you. Couldn't uh, believe it. Shocked. The, the movie, <laughs> I, the, I kept thinking about, uh, while I was watching it, it's it's like a double translation, and I'll explain that. It's a beautiful thing. So you take this really complex idea, right, of these people shorting this market, and just the market in general. It's not necessarily the most easily uh, explainable thing. Well, I, I don't understand a lot of it. Right. Uh-huh. But then you take a great, great writer, but the greatest nonfiction writer, I think, of his era, at least kind of big journalism books, of Mike Lewis, who wrote this book. Michael Lewis wrote Moneyball, and he wrote uh, The Blind Side sports books, but he's written a lot of great uh, financial books as well. Uh, this being one, uh, Liars Poker being one. Uh, there's 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 probably five or six of them that are that are really cool uh, nonfiction books. And Michael Lewis is a great. Uh, there was a there, I think it was Barack Obama gave uh, Bill Clinton the title once, the Great Explainer, uh, and and Michael Lewis is the Great Explainer. So you take this very complex idea and you you explain it through the book of michael lewis the big short and then you take that book and you explain it through this lens you translate it a second time through the lens of adam mckay Mm -hmm. and uh who you know he should get a lot of credit for making this kind of complex film watchable and fun uh but lewis should get credit too because the book's actually pretty fun too and, and interesting and the characters are alive and and fun in the book and uh it's just such a cool thing. I would love to see McKay take on more things like this. You know, that's that's probably why something like Anchorman 2 is just kind of weird. And the the best part of Anchorman 2 is that it really does kind of attack the idea of the 24-hour news cycle in a really smart way. It's a really good it's, satire. I think we touched on that. It's a really good satire, and it doesn't get enough credit for that. It's not a great film. It's not even as good as probably the first Anchorman narratively, but the best parts of it is that it's a wonderful satire of 24 hour news and something like the other guy, other guys had a lot to say about the financial fall as well. Um, and the kind of the villains of that film in a much more slapstick, silly way. So it's kind of it's been interesting to watch him really evolve as kind of a serious thinker. And this yeah. almost this kind of gonzo journalistic filmmaker that he's become. So I think he's a really unique kind of voice, and I'm really excited now. I thought I was excited for this movie, and then I kind of forgot about it, and then I saw the trailer, and but then it wasn't getting a lot of awards hype, even though the cast was so great. And um, and then it did, and then it did. And so <laughs> it was it was a relief that. Uh, by the way, as I say this on my TV, uh, a trailer with Vin Diesel in full priest gear, shooting at Elijah Wood. Last Witch Hunter, show. big snub this year. I thought <laughs> the huge big snub, giant snub. But uh, anyway, it was a <laughs> probably the biggest snub. Probably the biggest. Can't believe it, we got to mention best that. picture. I can get that, but like not best original screen. I mean, yeah. no original screenplay for it. Right. Like, okay. Um, but this is uh, the as you said, Kent, better than I have, and and quicker than I have. This really establishes McKay as someone to be reckoned with, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm really excited for his work going forward. Brian, yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I'm su- I've always I've really liked McKay. Anchorman is one of my favorite comedies of all time, and I think he's very smart and he's he's out there more now. I think you can he's got a great podcast that you can listen to that's quite enjoyable, and he's a very smart person. 
this movie, A, is great. I loved this movie. And I, I kind of wasn't super sure that I was going to going in because I don't understand uh, economics or the stock market or any of that stuff at all. Brian pays almost triple for everything he buys. He yeah, I have no one. clue how to – I just like – I'm like a blind person. You know when a blind person just hands cash and just like, hey, I hope that you'll give the right – change back to me that's how i am i just like hand my wallet to people and hope that they will not rip me off um it's worked (laughs) out really well um with all my crushing student debt but um look i don't i don't understand these principles at all i think what makes this movie so great and it's it's not just this film like malcolm gladwell is a genius and i think he's a genius not because he understands all these uh, high concept sort of ideas. It's because he can explain them to me like I'm a five year old, and I and Very a similar. yes, and a I I not only understand what he's saying, but I'm also I don't feel like he's condescending Talk, to me. Yeah, you know, exactly. he's not talking down. He's just saying like this is a complicated thing. Can I help you figure? It? Yes, thank you, Malcolm Gladwell. That's how this movie is. I thought the the structure of the film was brilliant i just i love the breaks that we got on here's margot robbie to explain this idea and here's anthony bourdain that kind of thing was fantastic um it's not it's fantastic uh structure in a non-showy way like that's a that shows his comedic uh background i think of like this is how we can convey this message in a way that people won't tune out you know and i thought that was fantastic and it it popped up at exactly the right time every time I thought I uh, it never it never became a bit or old it just was it was very well timed on that front and the second part of that is is using Gosling as the narrator and having him break the fourth wall I thought that that was such a smart and compelling way to to get me who does who not only doesn't care I don't understand any of this stuff and so I tune out like my brain just starts I don't know like replaying Dirk Nowitzki top 10 greatest moments, you know, things like that. Like I just completely zone out. Um, and it's why I dropped out of high school, you know, cause I just was like, I don't understand any of this. And I just, you know, I yeah. just stopped, I stopped thinking about it. Um, he did it at the exact right moments over and over again. I loved this whole cast is great. I thought Ryan Gosling was the best part. Of I the did whole too. Movie. Yeah. I, I didn't think that was a popular opinion. I thought yeah. he was fantastic in this movie. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm disappointed. It, yeah, I'm dis- yeah. I mean, Christian Bale is really good too, but I'm disappointed that if anybody's going to get an Oscar nomination, and I I didn't expect it because he hasn't been in had any buzz at all. But I thought he was the most pivotal member of the cast. It's not just because of his character; it's because of his ability to deliver um, those lines and those moments and and play it just the right way. I I was blown away by. The whole cast, Gosling in particular, and I, man, I love this movie. And I, you know, I think I had some doubts going in of, I talked to our friend Jason about, like, it makes me a little nervous that this is an important movie and it is in the hands of somebody who has pretty much only done comedy. And how is that going to, how is that going to play out? Um, But it turns out that that's, he's absolutely, you know, the perfect person to do that because he was able to come at it from a perspective um, that made it, watchable it, it let alone enjoyable you know and i'm i'm super impressed with what what mckay was able to do with this yeah it's almost as if you you have to explain what if you're going to use terms like subprime mortgages and mm-hmm. things like that you have to honestly explain it for everybody um in some form of exposition sure <laughs> and so this movie just uh, kind of gives the middle finger to that and it's like you know Gosling even says in his narration, he's like, yeah, 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 mortgages, I bet you're falling asleep, you know, this stuff is boring, isn't it, you know, things like that, literally saying that at you, and and then he goes, so, you know, so here's Margot Robbie in a bathtub, (laughs) right? you know, like, um, this this movie, I found, almost does more to just tell the story than it does to comment on anything that happened back then, you know, Um, this is basically just explaining to everybody, like, hey, guys, this happened, like, it yeah. was bad. Uh, so um, it didn't get too political for me. Like, sure. And when films like this, it's easy to do that. You know, even The Wolf of Wall Street uh, stepped yes. over that line. But that Gosling character, it's it could be such an easy miscast. Yes. You know, if you if that's Jeremy Renner and he just he doesn't bring that extra 
mm-hmm. ounce of charisma or fire that you would need, you know, absolutely, absolutely, you, yeah. that you could get from somebody like Gosling or DiCaprio, oh, that that could be the make or break of this movie. And I think I thought he nailed it. Like you mm-hmm. said, Brian, he was the most pivotal. He was the most pivotal character or um, actor sure. in this movie. Let's move on to the other performances then. Uh, Carell is getting, I guess, the most buzz from this. Uh, Bale did get get a nomination, but I think the best actor category was just probably too stacked for Steve Carell to yeah to get. And it's just people still aren't convinced or just haven't realized that Steve Carell's a really good actor, yeah. and he has He's been. What's it gonna take? What's it gonna take? I know take? every gosh. performance that he does that's decent or good, or you know, it's a little Miss Sunshine. Oh my gosh, Steve Carell! It's like. Uh, you know, Foxcatcher. Oh my gosh, Steve Carell at The Office. Oh my gosh, you know, and nobody. Right. He hasn't been established as a leading yeah. man or a a list, um, you know, Academy Award nominated actor. He, I mean, it just doesn't roll off the tongue with him, really. It's almost and, like he needs to just like go away for five years and then come yes. back. With he needs to Keaton. Dramatic... You may need to Keaton to like just. You're yeah. totally right. Just disappear for a while. Because it's it's starting to frustrate me because we've been huge Michael Scott slash Steve. I put in the call that he would win an Oscar one day in two thousand. American Treasure, Steve Crow. Let's give him that. Give him his proper respect. He is he's not a good actor. He's a great actor, and it's frustrating that people can't seem to quite get that through their heads. Of he's not just the guy from Forty Year Old Virgin. You know, he's a really talented, rangy actor. But he gets a totally nuanced, crazy good performance in Forty Year Old Virgin. You know, people always say, and this might be blasphemy, and people might roll their eyes, but I'm serious about this. When people always say, "Hey, Steve Carell's a good actor. He's not just that guy from The Office." It's like, yeah, hey, Leo, you go play Michael Scott with that much nuance and mm-hmm. and brilliance that Steve Carell did, because that's one of the hardest roles I've ever seen in any medium. Michael Scott is. You have to explain things and do things with your pupils, and your and your. Your motivations are yeah. insane. Like I know it's comedy and it's a silly TV comedy. That performance is a ten out of ten on the difficulty, and he 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 just completely owned it. And uh, and so I'm never when people are like, yeah, he's not just that guy from the office. Like, don't disparage that. That was really hard acting. Oh, I, and, I totally agree. And, and it's crazy. It's crazy to me. And to a compliment, and both to the detriment of Steve Carell, that Michael Scott character was. I mean, he crafted the heck out of that thing for the entire length of his run on The Office. You know, it wasn't just a – you can send an episode to – on a, from a screener to the SAG Awards and they're going to – you know, you're going to get a nomination. You know what I mean? Um, it yeah. seems like – to truly understand the scope or the difficulty of that performance, you really had to stick with that show and – and I think something similar like John Hamm in, in Mad Men as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not too flashy, but in the whole, it is. And it's fantastic. Um, and, you know, it's sad he didn't get nominated for that. We'll be talking about that forever, I think. The fact that Carell didn't get an Emmy for for Michael oh, Scott. It's, but It's, it's um, crazy. It, it's crazy. Um, but The pathos of that character is, is up there with uh, with almost anything. So what did you think about... Uh, what he brought to the table with this. There's a lot of Michael Scott in this performance. Uh-huh. You know, there really is. There's some some mannerisms and things like that. But um, it was, uh, I thought, a very good performance. Original in some ways. Got the accent going and all that. Right. Um, he's he's just so concerned about everybody. Yeah, he's, he's so he's neurotic. Like, How could you rip these people off? Oh my gosh, everybody's getting screwed, and he's so like he has to protect the entire world. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I thought it was a very good performance, though. And and, and why Gosling certainly is the the hinge of the film, um, which they probably should have marketed different. I think they kind of. I would say that the marketing of the film hurt Gosling, um, because let's be real. I mean, I, I I like we all like to think that uh, a lot of these voters for the award shows have seen all the films, but I I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think momentum can be built with trailers and things like that, and. Uh, you know, Gosling just seems like the fifth member of this cast, and he's just kind of a good-looking guy in a wig in any of the promotional material. And then when the film comes, you're like, oh, wow, this guy is, is the movie in a lot of ways and, and all that. But uh, Carell, Carell and, you know, those two have established great chemistry in, in, in Crazy Stupid Love, which I know is one of Brian's favorite movies uh, of the last few years. Those two are, are fantastic together, and it's cool to see them 
you know, again. But uh, that's such a weird grouping of actors. Um, mm-hmm. And then you throw in like a tiny little kind of Brad Pitt moment. Um, I had no idea Brad Pitt was in this movie. And I've, oh, really? Yeah. He's in I, one of the trailers. It's like 12 Years a Slave. He's just like, oh, yeah, Brad Pitt's in this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he was busy filming that By the Sea film. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> good luck with that. Again, one. no nominations for Angelina again this he year. He kind of just huh. shows up in these kind of roles in just whatever hairstyle he's got in this most important project. <laughs> like in 12 Years yeah. a Slave, you could tell he just walked off the set of World War Z and it's like, let's do this. <laughs> His hair is long and like, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny. Um, but man, he's a producer of this. So I think he probably worked as a cameo. As yeah. Part of the, maybe a, not a cameo, but a small role, uh, sure. not a big commitment. He was solid. Uh, the direction of the performances was, was solid, but there are some even smaller supporting roles that were uh, very strong as well. I mean, there are a lot of stories that kind of interweave with this. And I think the screenplay it has a lot to do with the success of this movie, and it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what Adam McKay interjected himself and what was in the source material of the screenplay as far as the cutaways and things like that um, because, I mean, that it's so helpful. It really was. The Bourdain sequence, and it, the most helpful for me, uh, one wasn't a cutaway, but one was the Selena Gomez poker sequence or the yeah. blackjack sequence. That was really, really helpful. And the Jenga uh, bit with Ryan Gosling, one of the best scenes of the year, I think. Yes. I went in the conference room and they're um, with the A and B on triple B mortgages and things like that, or bonds. And I mean, like I said, this movie is just kind of explaining to us what happened and how we all missed this. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. it's more about the people that discovered it. And it's kind of like Spotlight in a way about the people that discovered this thing and that no one be- believes them or cares, you know, and right. they really can't do anything about it. And I guess it sort of comments on comments on it in that way. But like I said before, it didn't, didn't get too political for me. Yeah. Plot wise with this. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam, Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know, it's time to talk about blue apron. If you haven't tried out blue apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So what about this uh, did it bring to the table that you didn't know before, I guess, about the financial crisis or, uh, you know, were, was your interest in this before you saw this movie? Um, and what did it bring to the table as far as that goes? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had read the book and I'm mm-hmm. you, you guys know me. I'm like Mr. News Nerd. So I was aware of the kind of players and situation and what this was. I've actually met one of these guys before which is a whole different story, it's not, but that's not interesting at all. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so I was, I, was, uh, I was certainly interested in it already, but what the film brought to it was a real personality to it and a real human idea of it because I think, you know, a lot of these really sharp Wall Street guys, you think of them as just um, Excel spreadsheets that have skin on them, and you forget that these are... <laughs> you know, human beings and, uh, and, uh, that are layered and complicated and have other interests and just happen to be in this certain industry that kind of controls the world. And so the film definitely lended a lot to that. Yeah. It's funny. They also kind of hammer home early that all of a sudden, you know, banking used to be boring. All of a sudden the bankers were the richest people and no one really cared or Mm -hmm. wondered why it's like, well, how the, Banks richest. They're just keeping our money, you know. Uh, you know, it didn't make much sense. Nobody really thought about it too much. 
Hey, oh yeah, uh, it was M- Melissa Leo not bumming all of us out. <laughs> good. A, a first. A, a change for her, a shift, sure. Yeah. yeah. By the way, Maybe, can we talk? Uh, do a few of those every once in a while, Melissa Leo. Yeah. So I don't uh, dread seeing you come on my screen every <laughs> single time. Marissa Tomei, still getting it done. She's the best. She is the best. And uh, yeah, this, the, the like, it's crazy for, I mean, I think a lot of that is pit. Um, but the, the like, okay, you get your four leads, but the kind of subcast of this is, is really great. Uh, mm-hmm. Your girl, Karen Gillen, Kent. Yes. She's, uh, yeah. she's, she's, I love her. Marry yeah. Me. I mean, this, this is, you know, Jeremy Strong, you know, people that are, are really kind of emerging or interesting character actors all, uh, all signed up for this film, which is weird when it's like, oh, this, you know, the Anchorman guy is making this movie. But I think you can lend a lot of that to, you know, Plan B is making this movie, which also explains the, you know, like $30 million budget for something to finance. <laughs> but hey, yeah. it's made $60 million, so it's been yeah, well. Decision. Not yeah, that this so. is a straight comedy, but it does show that McKay can do multiple kinds of comedy. Yes. yes. I would still Highbrow was... comedy and lowbrow yeah. comedy is kind of. Yeah, I mean, like, I consider something like broadcast news a comedy, but I consider yeah. it a really important, great film. That's fine. Right. Sure. Um, but, uh, and that's, that's if you want to do the kind of, um, you know, these kind of sharp cultural satires of, of, of something like, uh, you know, James L. Brooks or Albert Brooks or someone named Brooks. Um, <laughs> Brooks Kennedy. Mr. Brooks. Sure. Yeah. Um, you want to. Brooks, Brooks Whelan. Yeah, Meredith Brooks, <laughs> Brooks and Dunn, uh, Brooks Eric, and Shoe Company, Brooks and Dunn, Brooks and Dunn. the great works of Brooks Stone, yeah. <laughs> Brookie's Cookies, which is a small uh, cookie shop in Montana that you guys should try. This has been Brookcast. The plug, yeah. <laughs> um, Our weekly but, spinoff on everything Brooks, Brooks from Shawshank Redemption. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Please stop. Brooks was Kurt, here, guys. Okay, just no. Chicago Bulls backup point guard Aaron Brooks, <laughs> former Oklahoma City Thunder coach Scott Brooks, loved math, so that never just stop back. it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess um, this doesn't stand a chance in any of the awards. It's just kind of nice, yeah. nice that it gets nominated yeah it's it's a happy to be here contender. I, I, I hear a lot of commentary that man christian bill just carries this thing um it's a very toned down performance can i agree to what we're yeah. used to like as far as what we've gotten in the past you know he's known for being a very outgoing or extreme person um i think we got a wind to that a little bit in american hustle and that character uh this is very toned down and but i didn't really enjoy this I don't, I like Christian Bale, but I mean this. Mm-hmm. I would have rather him taken the Steve Jobs role and see what he <laughs> could have done with that because yeah. that fit his personality perfectly. Yeah, and, I mean, I thought uh, he was yeah, really I was good. good. This, I thought he was but, good, but but I'm with you. I it, for me of he's the, number three of the yes, people yes. Uh, of the leads. Yeah, and my, maybe maybe even behind some of uh, Steve Carell's buddies. I thought. Oh yeah. I don't know any of their names, but all those guys were really really well cast. Number one and. Their characters were way more fun and important to the movie than you typically get with that kind of role, you know. Well, the Brad Pitt line about every one percent unemployment goes up, forty thousand people die. Um, facts like that were used kind of randomly, but not too heavily. So mm-hmm. it didn't. Yeah. It wasn't concussion. Like it's just you know hitting you over the head. No uh, pun intended. With all that stuff, it um, it. It hit the right notes and um, was wasn't too boring. And I thought I'd be bored yeah. out of my mind by mortgages. Totally. But, um, yeah. You know, I'm I'm still a young person. I have a lot to learn. I realize that. But um, this, I don't know if I would have put it in the. In, I don't think I nominated it for best picture on my list. Um, but to each his own, I guess. This, this is, is a big. So the feeling you feel right now is how Brian and I feel about <laughs> Mad Max. Not at all. I'm I'm high on this. So I, I are we. That's good. my point. I'm super high on Mad Max. It's just not for me, and I don't well, understand. I don't think Mad Max has a chance either. I know, but you're saying you don't understand the nomination, which is totally fair to say. It's not a film for no, you. No, I... I'm just I explaining know. to the listeners, this is the same dynamic, and I would be interested if 
big short people attack you on Twitter. <laughs> I'm, I have not a bunch said of one negative thing about ticked. this movie. And I have nothing fact. negative to say about Mad Max. I just don't care for the aesthetic. Right? I never I mean, come at me, bro. Never said I didn't care for the aesthetic. No, no. I know. You're just saying you don't understand. It's you're it's just not film. as high on it as we are. That's all. Exactly. No, I'm. I'm as high on it. I don't understand where I'm getting attacked about Mad Max. No one's attacking you. No. It's not you. It's not a Ken issue at all. Yes, agree. Okay, I'm I just, just yeah, I don't. It's the humans who jumped on me on Twitter today when I literally did not mention Mad Max at all. Like I was. That's not what I was saying at all. That's all. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't want. To, I don't want the. Uh, I don't want people to think that I don't think this is for me. I love this movie. I thought this was a great movie. Um, yeah. You know, you yeah, all I... made it pretty clear that Mad Max wasn't for you. That's I think that's the difference. Okay. Uh, so I guess we can hit grades. I will give this a solid A. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I'm going to go A. It's right on that A, A plus line for me. It'll be in my top, I would guess, top five of the year when I put my, my list out early next week richard i'm gonna go i'll go a plus just to Bam. mix it up wow that's a triple a certified episode gentlemen now we get that money from triple a <laughs> <laughs> so what i will recommend is for everybody to revisit the movies that have come out this year because we'll be doing our top 10 best and worst episode next week Yay! So a lot of these movies have come out on DVD and Blu-ray and things like that, mm -hmm. and um, I'm sure you could together? watch what you want. Are we getting together at uh, the old Valley Ranch for our? I don't know. So all right, could be. Okay. Um, I got a really busy week, but we will definitely have the episode out early next week, regardless. Cool. All right. Well, until then, see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya ya Salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.